This is The Dose, and I'm your host, Mike Schwartz. Welcome to my playground. This is the place to play, a place to spark creativity, share some laughs, and challenge everything you thought you once knew. We're going to chat with some really inspiring people, people with stories, people that move the needle forward, shake shit up, and most importantly, people that have fun. These are just ordinary people doing extraordinary things. You can too. Everyone's a superhero. You just gotta find your power. Yo, welcome back to The Dose. I'm your host, Mike Schwartz. We're wrapping up 2020, and I don't know about you, but I've had an awesome year, and it's been an awkward conversation for me with a lot of people because I've had such a great year, and I I don't know how to approach it when I've got somebody on the other side sitting there going like, you know, I lost my job, and and, uh, my... My family's income is, is taking a hit and I don't know what I'm doing to do with all my time. I'm stressing out. And I mean, I get it. And I'm in the industry of health and wellness to be able to help folks like that. And um, just a, a side, side note before we get into today's guest and the background on the show is that, you know, if you are struggling or you're battling through some stuff, just reach out. There's so many services out there. Um, I mean, if you're a musician, check into Unison Benevolent Fund here in Canada. You've got Music Heals down in the States. Um, You've got Listen Up organization uh, down in Australia. So please do take care of yourself, okay? It's very, very important to to reach out and uh, and make sure your voice is being heard because sometimes that's all it takes, right? Now... Segue into the show today. I want to introduce a new clip into the next season, so I thought this would be a great platform to do so. I sat down with Janice Eisman. You guys will remember her from a few episodes ago, um, where her and I talk. She's another fitness professional located in Calgary, Alberta, and um, we get on to talking about body shaming and the fitness industry and image and the media and all of the influence that we have. forced down our throats at any given time. And I thought it was a super interesting conversation that uh, we could spin into the next season to deal with that because musician or not, you're being force fed lots of social media and how like different perceptions have gone with uh, the last 10 years anyways. It's been a very, very interesting time to see how we reflect and to talk about what I started off with, like that feeling of not amounting to anything or feeling of stress because you're living up to somebody else's expectations. A lot of it stems from that damn media. So I think it's a really cool conversation. I'm interested to put it out to you. If you guys have any thoughts, please share them. Hey at MikeTheSchwartz.com is the best place that you can uh, reach out and shoot me an email. Let me know what you're what you're thinking, or you know, write a review on uh, on the show. If you're listening to this on iTunes or on Spotify, I'd really appreciate that. Rate and review the show. Share it out with somebody you care about, and that's how we can grow this thing. The next season is starting up right in. Oh wow, we're right there. It's next week. Holy smokes! So we got some really really cool guests all lined up. Much of the same stuff, but this is a table uh, table discussion. I want to see if uh, if this is something that we can dive into on body shaming, the effects of social media and media on uh, numerous industries. So, without further ado, this is my guest and our conversation. It's uh, it's Janice Eisenman back again. Triple threat. Here we go. 
Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back here. We're sitting down. I get the privilege of another conversation with my dear friend, Janice Eisman. We're talking about body shaming today. This is a big topic. What's like, let's start with articles. You're, you're extensive in writing right now and you're really, really exploring the, uh, the trend out there in both the fitness industry and just in general with body shaming, uh, especially it, with regarding what you've now termed uh, badass femininity. Now your article, <laughs> I love that. No, I really, really do love that. Now um, the article I'm specifically referring to was published on Elephant Journal here. I've got it right in front of me. Got November 11th, 2020, you know, Remembrance Day. And that's a, that's a pinnacle day, all right? How to use man-child's words to fuel your badass femininity. I love the title on that right off the bat. It, it pulls me in and I want to read more. I want to lean in on that. So talk to me. What, what started you writing about badass femininity? Well, the article is basically about a pivotal moment in my life when I finally said no to body shaming. So this was a little bit more recently than not. So I had basically had some form of body shaming for approximately three decades. The root of that was in my childhood. And there was a lot of conversations in hushed tones about my pretty face, but... Uh, yeah, that infamous. And so, yeah. Right, and it doesn't actually really matter what comes after the butt. No, it doesn't matter at all. It's bullshit. <laughs> and there was a lot of directions about what I could do about this problem. And so when I grew up, it didn't occur to me that people didn't just speak to other people like this. So I genuinely thought that this was a problem. And then I have spent my entire life working in body forward in industries. So I spent time in the fashion industry, which I don't need to mention is a very body forward yeah. industry. 100%. And then I switched to fitness, which is the same. So although the little corner of fitness that I work in now is not based on aesthetics, there's a lot of conversation about bodies happening constantly. So my entire career was basically about bodies and body shaming. And the particular topic of the article dives a bit more into dating and how men talk to me. But essentially, men always made comments about my body and they weren't typically that positive. Yeah. And, and so... I really just dive into the moment when I said, you know what, enough is enough. Um, I'm five foot four and my adult weight, other than being pregnant, has been between 118 and about 128 pounds. And at the moment of the change, it was 125 pounds. So five foot four, 125 pounds is not somebody with a body weight problem it's not a health problem and so typically you know i'm sitting 118 to 125 pounds and men are talking about cellulite and men are telling me to tone up my bum and men are telling me to um you know the particular comment in the article actually i won't spoil it i'll let you go read the article yeah 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 exactly <laughs> i was gonna say i'm like no don't give it all away i got some right in here but 
I mean, when you speak to that, how much of it is fueled by social media? How much of this social norm really does affect the mindset that, especially speaking to to women, like uh, as a man myself, I have a different perspective on it. I feel I'm very in touch with my feminine side and all of my feminine friends, 90% of my, my friends are women. So I understand, but I'm still, you know, I'm still a dude. How does this social norm affect women? That's a really good question. So a lot of what was happening for me was actually before the days of social media, but social media is something that is a really huge double-edged sword because we're able to see these amazing, incredible body transformations. When I open up my Instagram, my homepage, I don't even know why, but is literally filled with the before and after pictures of somebody who was obese and now is not. And so that's what Instagram decides to serve me up on my homepage every day. And I probably keep, it probably reinforces itself because upon occasion, I actually do click and click through some of these because they are incredible and our human eyes like, wow, look at that. And then it just kind of self-perpetuates. So there is, I think, particularly to women, there is a constant notion and we're constantly sold this idea of imperfections that we must somehow fix. And that ranges from our body weight to body hair, to how we dress and hide and disguise things to Botox and wrinkles and the whole gamut. And I think a lot of women end up in gyms to try to fix these purported flaws that they see that are fed to them by either social media or the people around them. Yeah. Yeah. And how, how much of that is true. It's like, it's glorified. It's like, it, it seems like when you watch these um, in the days of the infomercial, right. Or in the days of just watching the ads come through. And sometimes you've got this, uh, I mean, I, I use Canva a lot and I use like different media um, platforms, but then I get like, different ads for these media platforms that are really good at Photoshop. And they've got this picture of this woman who's like, she's a good looking girl and everything. She's just sort of standing there. And then they bring it in and they're talking about their ad copy is like, you can look like this too. And yeah. they're like, they're bringing in the sides and they're tightening up the face. I'm like, huh? Like what, what the hell is this idea of ideal body? Explain right. that to me. What does that mean? I don't know, but we have, <laughs> the part that I don't know is because of my age. And I, I tell this to my clients. When I was in high school, Kate Moss was the ideal body type. And Kate Moss was that heroin chic body type with no waist and no breasts and no hips. And basically something that resembled kind of a 12 year old prepubescent or or mid pubescent kind of girl. She was a little taller than that, but she was an adult. Well, sort of, she was very young as well. Mm -hmm. um, and today our ideal body type is Kim Kardashian and Jennifer Lopez. That is a tiny waist, flat stomach, large breasts, and an incredibly oversized bum. So in my 20 years of adulthood, there is no possibility I could have been both those body types. I was going to be wrong, no matter how I proceeded with my womanhood. And so I think that that's part of what keeps women reeling the entire 
the entirety of our lives basically is that there is this body standard that's held up on social media, on television, by instructors at gyms as what we need to achieve. And then the fitness industry in particular delivers messaging in classes that say, okay, ladies, you know, let's work those booties. Let's make them bigger. And back in my high school days, we were trying desperately to make them smaller. Right. <laughs> so we're selling solutions to this type of body that supposedly we're all supposed to work towards. And in my life, I've never had the right body. And so because I've never had the right body, I allowed other people to feed into that. And I allowed those insecurities to build because I thought that if I just worked hard enough and if I just tried hard enough, maybe I could diet my way into it or maybe I could work my way out into it, um, that somehow I would, you know, back in the day, I was trying to shrink my bum now it's probably not big enough i'm not sure <laughs> <laughs> let's put um, it to social media they'll tell right? us good god exactly just post up on instagram and pose the question i make it a selfie and you're going to be the you'll hit the algorithm oh it's so frustrating i can't even like and i'm on the other side it's it's frustrating for me and i'm not even really subject to i, I just get sick of it i i see a bit of that feed and just when you, you say like it's been fed to us, I'm, I'm thinking of specific examples that I'm thinking just off the top of my head, hump day. Yeah. Like what the fuck, like, come on. Uh, Transformation Tuesday can be really positive, but also focusing solely on aesthetics. Absolutely. For the most part. Absolutely. Like what, what do we do with that? Like how do we, like what other kind of shit do you see or hear kind of in the media or even in your day-to-day -day life, like out on the street, like as being both fitness professionals, there's those subtleties that are like, you already mentioned, come on, ladies, get those booties pop. Like I, I, I'm first to admit, I've said that. Don't sure. even think about it. Subconsciously. I'm like, wow, that was dumb. That's like yeah. reinforcing what we're trying to get away from. Absolutely. What other kind of specific examples are things that are maybe like for, for people that are listening, like they don't even really, sometimes it takes that, oh yeah, that is kind of like, you know, subtle racism almost, <laughs> right? You know, like the same kind of idea. How do we bring more attention to it from the subtleties? It's subtle body shaming. And I think a couple of areas I would point out are the 21 day fixes. So first the word fix implies that something is broken or something is wrong or that we need to change it. Um, and a lot of those 21 day programs, which is what seems to be really popular right now, really focus on this instant result. So we're going to take our before and after picture and nobody's showing what happens 21 days after the after, um, <laughs> but Good typically point. in 21 days, we're not going to actually make tremendous changes to our body's physiology. We're not going to make tremendous changes, even to how we feel. We can make some fairly significant changes to how we look if we start in a certain place and those before and after photos can be quite compelling. I have a body that does that. I can be a great 21 day story because I start off fairly lean. We can do 21 days. Boom. So nobody's talking about the body type that you're, that you're entering into this with, or even the habits. I mean, I've been working out for 25 years. So to get a result for me is going to be very, very, very different than somebody who hasn't worked out for 20 years. Yeah. So that's actually a form of body shaming because it sells this instant result that is based on aesthetics. 
We also have subtle body shaming, I believe, in a lot of fitness classes, and that does include yoga. Right. So I actually had, I'm a certified yoga teacher, and my body doesn't do pretty yoga poses. So nobody wants to see it on Instagram. No one even really (laughs) wants to see it in a class. My bones (laughs) just don't do that. So Mechanically, right? Yeah. Mechanically, there's different... Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I can, I can be in positions that look right and get no stretch. I can be in positions that look totally wrong and feel what I'm supposed to. I can be in positions that look right and have it feel quite injurious. So I had to work through kind of personal issues, if you will, about being a yoga teacher that was ever going to post images online because nobody wants to see it. Um, and I heard a comment once that you should only take yoga from an instructor that does the kinds of things you want to with their body. And I know I'm a very, very good yoga instructor. My physical appearance has nothing to do with how I teach and how I can help a client achieve things. But many, many, many times in yoga classes, I would get told one day you will be able to. And that actually is quite a shaming comment because I can tell you now that that day will never come unless and until I die and am reinvented in a new body. (laughs) Um, But I actually injured myself and it became a chronic injury in yoga class because of that encouraging message that if I just tried hard enough that I too could get this result and I could look like the teacher or the other students. And that was a misstep on my part, but a good learning moment when I actually did start to listen to a lot of those cues. And teachers are often cueing from the perspective of aesthetics, mm-hmm. cueing thighs, we're cueing inner thighs, we're cueing butts. Well, actually, anatomically, we don't have an inner thigh. That's not the name of what it is. No, exactly. Um, but all of those come along with kind of quirky, cute phrasing that we want to tone this area, we want to lift it, we want to shrink it. And those sit in people's minds it can be just that one quick message that we're getting every time we go to yoga Mm -hmm. oh ladies summer's coming oh yeah um there's a lot of them when you actually start listening and it it's a lot of messaging that consistently says the way you are is not good enough now you said one thing i I wrote i literally wrote it down because i i've i've heard this all over and until you mentioned it I never considered the other side of it one day you'll get there that makes that makes total sense in my head as a body like who's to say you're supposed to get there what what would you encourage somebody that has heard that that has to kind of rewrite that story what what's a more appropriate message do the best that you can today I actually cue from the perspective of what do we feel so do we feel this stretch in the hamstring if that's what we're supposed to feel. So let's say we're doing a forward bend. That's one of my personal weaknesses. When I was um, in junior high, 
the Canada fitness test said that I was at the bottom 1%. And I put that in quotation marks. Of <laughs> hamstrings. I actually don't feel in my hamstrings. What happens is the bones in my hips hit together. So I feel crunching in my hips. I don't feel any stretch in my hamstring, but I had yoga teachers that assured me over and over one day you'll get there. So as a teacher, IQ feel that in your hamstrings, you might also feel it in your low back when we're doing a forward bend. I never tell them that some result is around the corner because I'm, you know, nothing has changed since junior high. And <laughs> one day I will not get there. And, but I, but I literally almost broke my body doing it. Yeah. Yeah. How important is that to have that understanding though, as somebody new to exercise, especially since we're in the fitness field on that, how important is that for somebody who's brand new to exercising, being okay with being okay? How, does that come across in the messaging as well? Is there, is there a little bit of relationship between those two? This sounds like a side note, but I always tell that my clients, if you have an aesthetic concern underneath that, there's a functional concern. So mm -hmm. when we are busy poking apart our supposed flaws, some of the most common ones are bellies or bums or, or the inner thigh. Um, what we're actually picking up on is that our muscle tone isn't functioning. Right. We're picking up that something in that area doesn't feel right to our body versus what our brains say that it could or should. Mm -hmm. And it's not really about, you know, I've had clients that say awful things about themselves. They talk about flab and rolls and things that just, that, that are terrible and that I wouldn't ever imagine them to say out loud to somebody else. Mm -hmm. But I think that we need to reframe the entire conversation because if we get that function, you stop caring what you look like and you stop caring what the position or posture or exercise looks like because your body says, nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> and you functional. have that sense of, yeah, yeah. You have that sense of competency and confidence and excitement that you can actually make progress. But I think that's another thing we, it, as a whole, our fitness industry reinforces constantly that there's a period of your life where you're going to improve infinitely. And then kind of once you hit 40, well, it's all, it's all ruined now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> um, but we, we don't go on a constant improvement trajectory. That is false. That is a false notion. And so I think that what we need to be prepared for, if we're new exercisers, there's going to be limitations to our bodies and we have to figure out where they are. But, you know, for example, um, I used to live in Montreal. So I actually was acquainted with legitimate Cirque du Soleil performers that actually were hired by the company and yeah. were paid by the company they have different genetic capacities than I ever did. And so what feels difficult to them is different than what feels difficult to me. The way that their bones move is different than what I ever had. And so comparing myself to a Cirque du Soleil performer is not going to be of value. What is of value is figuring out what feels challenging to me, what feels exciting to me, what feels fun to me, what feels like growth to me, what feels sustainable to me. Yeah. And knowing that even, you know, frankly, this happens even when professional athletes, but we have up days, we have down days, we have hard moments, we have tired moments, we have days when things feel easy and 
we're going to bump forward at certain times, we're going to plateau at certain times. So this idea of constant, a constant curve that just goes up and is it's false. And so we have to be prepared for that intellectual struggle. We also have to be prepared that there is a ceiling where after that we're in maintenance zone. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that doesn't just like, just to kind of side note, side note, <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't need to stay in the fitness industry, being a musician myself, working with professionals and uh, executives, like it, it all kind of comes back to like, wherever there's other people and expectations, it seems like that's where it's at. I see it all the time in the music industry. We were talking off, uh, off camera about that specifically, how the gender difference in being successful for a female in the music industry, especially the country music industry, um, where it's so aesthetic, it's so driven by what you look like, how great you sound is very minimal compared. Sure. Right. And it's, it's, when you look at it, you go, that's batshit crazy. Like, how does that work? A dude has a totally different experience. I can tell you firsthand, you know, if you're good at your instrument, you're going to get the gig. Right. It has very little to do with, oh, he's 40 pounds overweight. It doesn't matter. He can play like a boss. Right. So look, at, look at the, look at the music industry. Some of the best drummers I know are guys that are going to have a heart attack before they're 50. It's true. It's true. It's huge. It's, we it's like, we really see that. that. Yeah. We see this in dating as well. Um, one of the, the propelling forces for writing this article in the first place, I moderate a couple of dating groups and I see the conversations about appearance and I see the conversations about feeling body shamed and having this history of the only thing that matters as a female in particular is how we look. So if we can't get those photos up on that site, nobody's going to swipe you. Yeah. And I think that's why it was so important for me to write this message because we can say no. As consumers, we can go into gyms and say, no, I don't want to attend a class where I'm being cued to tone my thighs and being reminded that bikini season is coming and being told, lift those booties, ladies. We have the power to say no to that. And we have the power collectively, but we have to generate that awareness. And we also have to generate that moment when we say, this is not right. The things that are being told to me, the things I'm hearing, mm -hmm. we're going to put a stop to it. I love that. And that, that ties right back into like, uh, in the, in the article, you refer to the man child. Now for listeners that aren't familiar with the man child, could you give me a, a Janice uh, definition of the man child, please? <laughs> Just in case people aren't up to date on what uh, what the man child really is, because I know the man child, and I, I'd love to hear uh, your definition here. Articulate. You know, I feel like I'm wandering into a hornet's nest here. Oh, no, this is a good one. No, I love it because I'm trying to get my bros into stopping this shit. Because honestly, I'm sick yeah. of it, and I I know that we as men have a responsibility to to take that social media aspect because. Unfortunately, in my opinion, a lot of these organizations that are fueling this are fueling it because they're headed by men and they don't, they don't think from the ladies perspective or how, hey, ladies lift the booty. That, no, stop that. That's, that's subtle. That's like, that's the two, what we would call two faced um, where you would not say that to your, your significant other, if you're 
madly in love with that person. You wouldn't say that. Ideally not. Ideally not. You wouldn't Ideally consciously not. try to like manipulate their, their, their way of thinking in, in that line. So I know men have a responsibility to, to pick up the slack on that side. So it's important to me to get into what the man child is and, and see how we can work as a, as a team of dudes to be like, okay, cool, let's, let's start here. And this is a starting point. And then we can, otherwise there's never going to be any change. I think the man child is a man who is trying to get power or money or position by belittling others. And that can be done in a lot of ways, um, including selling pain point to make profit, including putting down women to become more powerful in a relationship or to tie that woman, basically saying, no man will ever want you, but you're lucky because I do. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, um, there's a lot of different components to it, but essentially it's men who try to claim power by belittling women in a childlike way. That's what we do when we're nine years old and we're on a playground. And yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Uh, I was just going to say, I'm like, that reminds me of like, yeah, where you really like the girl, so you'd make fun of her, or you'd, just, yeah, exactly, or you do something completely like hockey kids used to go and they'd snow the girls when we were on public on public skate. Yeah. They'd yeah. come up and they'd they'd find a cute girl that's like just learning to skate over there on the pylon or whatever. And this hockey bro would come up and he's like maybe a couple of years older. He just comes in and snow plows just throws all this snow up and, and all his little hockey bros yes. go that was so cool like come on like that's what i'd expect out of an 11 year old maybe or maybe an eight-year-old or something like yeah, that like, absolutely and we've built entire corporations around this idea and this mindset including and often unfortunately our very own fitness industry because we basically sell the idea that we're not good enough mm -hmm. And we have a solution to make you good enough. And there is no such thing because it's not going to happen in 21 days. It's not going to happen in a year. It's never going to happen actually, because when people have insecurities, there's never a moment when it is enough. There's never a moment because what happens with our bodies is just at the moment when we achieve this pinnacle of perfection, mm -hmm. we wake up the next morning and we either have to maintain that or it starts to go away. So it is very, 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 very temporary if we can even get there. So yeah. there's a couple of moments in my life. I'm like, Ooh, had that one for five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, no, I hear you. Well, I mean, I think this is so much of a, a bigger conversation too, honestly, like we could, we could do a, we could dive into a whole series on this where it comes into even the, the childhood traumas that we, that we face. Oh, definitely. I think language plays a role um, and that that's something I'd, I'd really be interested in getting into um, later on in, in, in another chapter on this, just to see how, especially speaking to like the way that we're kind of force fed these certain images or these certain, how much of that subconsciously plays a role in how we actually speak and then carry out those actions. I mean, a good friend of mine, Mark, you know, Mark England out of, uh, of the vocabulary, he works extensively on this and fixates on those childhood traumas 
And when you can bring that into light and just identify it, we go, oh, wow. And that's like some of the stuff that you're telling me. I'm like, I'm so subject to it. I don't even understand. I'm, I'm really thankful we had that conversation. Yeah, because it's, it's so normal. It's so normalized. So that's the thing is like my question to you to kind of wrap things up on this one today. How I know there's no real solution person by person because we're not going to get to that certain ideal. Because like essentially, if there's an ideal body type, why is everybody chasing it? right that in and of itself it's gonna shift underneath us and in 20 years it's not so so it doesn't even matter it's like if we're chasing perfection perfection exists only because of you can't have multiple perfection otherwise it doesn't exist you know what i mean so what is the what's the next step what what can we all do to stop the spread of this kind of um this plague (laughs) like what do we do yeah i mean first go read the article and look at the thought process that I put into that. There was internal work I had to do. I had to actually get to the moment when I said, this is wrong and, and made a change and took a stance. And that can happen on a personal level where we shut down men who do this. We shut down gyms and facilities who do this. We stop giving money to the industries that are selling to this pain point of you're not good enough. We stop clicking open those Instagram posts. We stop sharing these comments with our friends. Women um, in particular tend to bond over body hatred and discussing whatever diet trends or fads they're on. We need to stop that and actually do that work inside. Deal with those childhood traumas, deal with those insecurities, actually bring them out into the light. And then you start to see it everywhere and it doesn't actually impact you anymore. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds, that sounds like power. And I think that comes back to, again, just being more conscious and competent with it rather than just letting it kind of like, you know, sleepwalk through. Yes. I find a lot of us are just scrolling like to, to use the, the literal translation, but we're just literally scrolling through life as well. We're just kind of, Oh, okay, cool. We're not really analyzing what those words mean. Right. And, and, and I gave yeah. you like a one minute solution that yeah. just, <laughs> no. took like a decade or 15. No, it's simple as that, you know, just three pro tips, clickbait, 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 right? A hundred percent. And, and I mean, that's why I want to be transparent. That was a 10 or 15 year process for me to kind of climb out of that hole to get to that moment in the article where I just said, no, this is enough. Yeah. Um, and I have been quite vocal about, about the fitness industry in a really positive way. I mean, a couple of years ago, I taught a seminar for fitness professionals about cueing and about the languaging that we're using. And and it changes the narrative for clients because whenever somebody is coming in with those aesthetic concerns, you're never actually as a fitness professional gonna be able to deliver that solution because there's no end game. Whereas if we can get people in our bodies and we can have that positive body experience, the rest of your life is going to be pretty amazing. And you're going to want to work out and you're going to want to actually maintain your body versus, oh my God, oh my God, I need to not gain 20 pounds. my thighs. That's a really short-lived goal. And it's actually a really short-lived moment of pleasure if you do get it and I can speak to that myself I mean I've gone through these cycles of chasing this perfection Mm -hmm. and 
actually what tends to happen is the closer you get to it, the more you either amp up your goal or go into this obsessive mindset, like as if. <laughs> yeah, I see it. I see it working on the other side. I'm sitting there going like, you really got to be okay with being okay. And that 1% is the, it's good. It's good to be there. It's like, how do you feel? Don't worry about what everybody else is putting on you. Don't worry about what everybody else says is what's supposed to be. How do you feel? And usually when you can isolate that and like block out all of the actual badgers, you go, oh, oh yeah, I feel actually pretty great. This is awesome. I feel the best I've ever, I'm waking up great. I'm showing up well for my family. And then they can start to process, you know? Correct. Absolutely. And it it is, it's a process of going through that process. Mm -hmm. But I think that we need to start that with a conversation that just identifies where we look for these flags and where we look for the messaging that's coming into us. Because as soon as we start to see it, it is absolutely everywhere. It is. Yeah. Well, holy smokes. Thank you so much for, uh, for spending some time with me, just chatting this out. I think that uh, we could go on forever on this kind of thing. Um, so let's, uh, let's, let's cap it there. Where is the best place people can find the, uh, it's the Elephant Journal article. Yeah. Let's just head up and how, how's the process work on Elephant Journal? It's a blog. It's, it's set up as a, go read and go find Janice and Give me the, give me the, the full, the full meal deal here. I'm doing a bad job of it. So <laughs> how does somebody read this article? What's the easiest way other than in the show notes here and where, where you should link it. Yes, okay, definitely. Yeah. Um, definitely. So yeah. journal is not my publication. I've been asked that before. It's an independent online magazine yeah. uh, about mindful living. And so I, I, I'm a frequent contributor um so you need to go into the website find my name scroll down to that article or you can type in badass femininity into the into the text box or you can just check mike's link that he's gonna do that yeah you do all that (laughs) i I do that i'll do the grunt work on that bit um it's been an absolute blast thank you again so much for uh for spending some time with me any final words for the uh fine folks at home I think just develop that mindfulness around paying attention. And that's the first step is just, it's not a negative thing to actually invoke some mindfulness about the messaging that you're receiving. That's a great place to start because as soon as you recognize and realize you're getting that from X source and Y source and Z source and A source and B source, um, you can actually start to process and deconstruct some of these things within you and part of that just starts with recognizing how many messages in a day you're getting about your body we didn't even tackle aging yeah (laughs) that's a big one um so any aspect of your body from how you dress to weight to body hair and grooming to aging And just start to notice, you know, is that once a day? Is that 46 times a day? Is it once a week? Is it never? Mm -hmm. Notice your participation in these conversations. So I think everything starts with a bit of awareness. That doesn't solve the problem, but at least kind of identifying, oh, wow, you know, I'm getting 172 messages a week about this. I'm, I'm already feeling like I'm thinking like I'm going to need a little meditation after this yeah. just to like process it all and be like, oh, wow. Yeah, I get fed this all the time. It's, 
it's really, really noticeable in the industry, right? And, and that's in both the industries I'm heavily involved yeah. in <clears throat> myself with music and because it's all over the place in music and it's because it's so aesthetically driven and especially yeah. now being that it's all virtual. So how much, how much can you actually do with just sending your music out as a CD? No, you got to put on this concert. You got to put on this. Exactly. The lighting's got to be perfect to make sure the shot is here, not here. You know, it's all this backward stuff. And then same with the fitness industry just as you said, the cues, like that's, that's a place to start. If you're a professional, start paying attention to the words that you're using. Right. And I think that's a really good place to start. Get more mindful about it. Just like you said, that's uh, that's fantastic stuff. Sweet. Cool. Wow, man. Yeah. I'm definitely <laughs> going to meditate. <laughs> it's going to be good. Um, I'm going to let, uh, let you, let you get running. I, again, thank you so much for your time. Um, I'll link everything up into the show and, uh, until next time we'll see, Hey, let's, let's build a little bit of a, a storybook on this. We can get into chapter two next time. Hey, I love it. That'd be Amazing. Thank Perfect. You so much, Mike. Hey, thank you. Cheers. Pretty cool stuff, folks. So if you liked that conversation, please again, head over to iTunes, to Spotify, shoot me an email. Do whatever you got to do. Let me know what you want to hear. This is a this is a very very cool conversation. I think that needs to, as as we heard in the conversation, it needs to be uncovered a bit more, so that we can all do better at uh, at supporting one another. You know, it's uh, some some wild times. 2020 and 2021 is uh, is not not the year to you know forget 2020 from i don't think that that's the i don't think that's the approach i think we get a lot to learn from the past year in how to pivot and how to build resiliency but then there's some bullshit out there that that we just don't have time for that uh, just brings people down and sometimes it's a subconscious kind of thing it's not even a, a known thing it's just practiced and normalized and it's part of our culture and i think that's bullshit and i think that uh, opening that conversation to to say the things that everybody's thinking is uh kind of my jam so let me know what you think if you agree if you disagree if you'd like to hear something else if you want to stick with music whatever i just want to know how we can best deliver to you my friends okay so we got a couple more to round out the year. We're going to bang them out. Bam, bam, bam. That's the sound banging it out makes. <laughs> so, oh man, it's been a long day. So, <laughs> till next time, folks. Y'all stay sweet. Peace.